Praise God. Amen. Well, it's so good to be in His presence tonight, and I'm always thrilled to feel the touch of God and uh, be able to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And always when we worship the Lord and come to His house and begin just to give Him praise, we know that He shows up and He begins to minister to our needs, and all of us have different and uh, peculiar needs and circumstances of life, but God knows exactly what we have need of when we arrive here. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God doesn't overlook any situation. There's nothing too minor for Him. And again, there's nothing too major for Him. It doesn't have to just be a big problem to get God's attention or get God to intervene for you. It can be the most minor detail of your life, and God is concerned about that. He said, there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground that I'm not aware of it. He said, if I clothe the lilies, if I put green on the grass, he said, how much more do I care about you? And he said, you being evil, give good gifts to your children. He said, what about me, the father of all? Praise God. If, you, if you've got enough natural instinct, to give and to bless your own children, you that are human, us that are full of fallacies, us that uh, sometimes, uh, well, we're inconsistent and we don't uh, always do what we should do because we are flesh. God is faithful and He's consistent all the time to bless His people. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be serving Him, aren't you? Praise the Lord. And uh, we have a theme around here. It's established way before I got to Landmark, but it was called Serving God is Beautiful. See it in gold letters right across the back. Serving God is Beautiful. Boy, I think that's a good, a good omen or a good cliche, a good motto to live by. Serving God is Beautiful. I can't think of anything that is more beautiful and more wonderful than living for Jesus serving the Lord. Amen. Walking with Him. Praise God. This is a happy life. This is a fulfilled life. This is a complete life. Praise the Lord. You know what I'm talking about when you got the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. I read a story about a man, I think it was Norman Vincent Peale, that was seated across uh, the aisle. And if you've ever rode these type of trains or been on them, you know that they face one another. It's not like an airplane where everybody faces ahead, but they face one another. It's a high-speed train that went from Chicago to New York. And uh, Mr. Peel sat down across from this couple. And uh, it wasn't long until he got engaged in conversation with the husband. And uh, he said he was a wonderful man, and they had a great conversation. But he said uh, he was amazed at how... Uh, much of a contrast there was between this husband and his wife. He said his wife kept on interrupting on their trip uh, when the food was served by the stewardess. Uh, the, uh, the wife said, well, this, this food's not fit to eat. She began to complain about it and uh, went on a little while longer. She said, well, it's, it's drafty in here. It's cold in here. I'm cold. And they complained about something else. And then the third time in the midst of their conversation, uh, she interrupted, and the husband said, Never mind my wife, said uh, in her complaints. She's really a, a fine person. Matter of fact, she's pretty clever. 
said she's a manufacturer. And uh, Mr. Field was kind of astonished by that. He said, uh, manufacturer? What does she manufacture? He said, unhappiness. <laughs> he said, her own. <laughs> and so uh, I don't want to be a manufacturer of unhappiness. Amen. I enjoy living for Jesus, serving the Lord, walking with Him. Praise God. I'm glad to have the Holy Ghost tonight. I don't have any complaints. Has life always been mountaintops? No. Has life always been just everything perfect? No. None of us have that. But living for the Lord is still the best option. Praise God. And I'm glad to be here tonight. I understand you guys had great church uh, Sunday, and I'm thankful for that. If you have your Bibles, invite your attention to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 16. And uh, in preparing today and praying and, and casting about as to what maybe to preach in this service tonight or to teach upon, I, I kept coming back to this. This is a text that I have mentioned or have used in years gone by. But nevertheless, the principle here, the Lord kept leading me back to. And um, I felt two or three things that maybe maybe I would like to have ministered on, but, but it kept being uh, almost yanked back in the Spirit to this particular passage of Scripture. Exodus 16, and I'll begin reading in verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. It came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, Gather of it every man according to his eating, and almost for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two almers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord has said, Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and see that which ye will see. 
that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And then I want to resume reading in verse uh, 31. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And it was like a coriander seed, white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commandeth, fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that ye may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness, when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. So it was something that he wanted to live and to be sustained for generations. Verse 33, And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an armor full of manna therein, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. And uh, I simply want to speak for the next few moments upon this subject, a sustaining place. A sustaining place. Let's pray that the Lord would anoint, bless, and have His way here tonight. How many is open to hear from the Word of the Lord? Let's open up our hearts and pray that God would help us tonight. Jesus, we need you. We need your touch. We need the anointing that really only you can give. God, we understand and know, God, that we are in need of you tonight to touch us, to help us in this place. We pray, O oh God, that you would minister through us. Just let us be used as a vessel tonight. We pray, God, for your work to be accomplished, your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. There is probably not a more amazing story or miracle recorded in all the Old Testament that is any more notable than the deliverance of the Israelites or God's people from Egyptian bondage. It is astonishing and Though I've read it several times, I'm constantly uh, enthralled with it every time I have the opportunity to read it, and how the Lord brought them out, as the Scripture said, with a mighty hand. And often we focus in this story and rejoice in the power of God's deliverance, and I think that's a very significant thing. And we know that this is a type of us coming out of sin, even way back there in the Old Testament. But let us not forget God's tremendous keeping power after He brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of bondage, out of their slavery. He also kept them and sustained them. For 40 years, He sustained them in that rugged, arid wilderness environment and atmosphere. Their clothes, the Scripture tells us, never tattered. Their shoes never required replacements, even though they walked many, many miles during this period of time. They drank water from a rock, and then there are several other miracles that you can read about that took place, not only when they came out of Egypt, but that took place in this wilderness where they lived and existed for some 40 years. And according to our text, one of those miracles was as that he gave them manna to sustain them from day to day. He gave them manna to eat. Six days out of the week, he would allow it to miraculously appear on the ground, 
and the Israelites were instructed to gather it. Uh, they would gather uh, just, just enough five days out of those six days. They would gather just enough to sustain them for that day. They would go out in the morning, come just like the dew, and they would go out and they would gather just enough so that they can make it through the day, just enough to supply them through the day. And they were strictly, strictly told not to hoard it or to try to keep it back or try to store it. And on the sixth day, they would gather twice as much for the Sabbath. And the significance of this was is that it could not be stored, it could not be preserved beyond what God had commanded for it. If a person tried to hoard it, if he tried to put some up in the cupboard or on a shelf in the pantry and put it back for the future, the Scripture tells us, and I read it to you tonight, that it would very quickly spoil. And the Bible says that it would begin to stink and it would breed worms or become wormy. I believe that this aptly parallels and applies to every one of us in our walk with God. And that it is a daily walk with God. And I know that I use this scripture a lot, but it's, it's helped me. And I feel like if we can get this principle and this concept, it will help every one of us. The scripture tells us that Jesus, instructing his people to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. And we see a type of that all the way back in this story that I'm preaching from tonight and that he gave them manna for that day to sustain them for that particular day. They weren't to look too far ahead. They weren't to live in the past, but they had to have faith to live in the now, and God would provide them with the sustenance to live in the present moment. Your relationship with God is a progressive thing, and you cannot live entirely on past experiences. And I thank God for every miracle. And in fact, we are uh, looking forward to, and I might just take a moment and, 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 and make you aware of the fact that we're going to try to do a, a big homecoming type service in the month of May, and I'm looking forward to that, bringing folks, uh, people of the city, also uh, people that were acquainted with this church over the years, them coming back and, and uh, worshiping with us again and reminiscing over some of the things that God has done. And I'm thankful for everything. I don't want to be misunderstood tonight. I'm thankful for everything that God has done heretofore. I'm thankful for God blessing us uh, physically with this facility that we have. I'm thankful for all the spiritual blessings. And in that service, as we were planning it, I made mention of this. I said, you know, what would be a wonderful thing is for us to bring some of these elders up and have them testify of the miracles that have happened over the years and what God has done and how God has blessed us. And even in this sanctuary tonight, I'm thankful for the miracles of the past. I look out here, I see Sister Trichelle, a miracle. God healed her of cancer. I see others here in this congregation that God has ministered to you and helped you and gave you a miracle. And that is something that we can look back to and be inspired about and that we can receive strength from. But the reality is, is we got to live where we are right now. And I can't live on past revivals. I can't live on what God did 10 years ago. My experience, my salvation 
even receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to try to exist and get by on the empowerment of the Holy Ghost that God gave me 30 years ago. Amen? And uh, it, it's 30 years uh, this, well, it was 30 years last year. It's 31 years this particular year that God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I'm thankful that there's been many times since then that God has renewed me. Amen. Now, are you trying to say, Brother Calhoun, that the Holy Ghost is a diminishing thing or that it diminishes in power or that it grows old and weak? I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying we are flesh. And we tend to have leaky vessels. As the Scripture says, we tend to allow things to slip away. Amen. And so we've got to be renewed again. Hallelujah. we got to be refreshed again. And I'm thankful that God that filled me with the Holy Ghost 31 years ago is still real and powerful enough in the present hour to renew me just like He did back then. I don't have to have a weaker experience, a lesser experience in God now than I've ever had. Just because the days are more evil, just because the times that we're living in are more challenging and sin is abounding in ways that it never has before. You just remember one thing. The Scripture said where sin abound, grace does that much more abound. And everywhere there's a little bit of hell, there's a whole lot more of the Holy Ghost and power. Amen. Everywhere where there may be resistance, God has greater revival to give to the church. I'm thankful that He could still renew me and the Holy Ghost. You're thankful for that. You ought to clap your hands and worship the Lord tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. So he, he instituted a principle even way back then. He said, I want you to understand that you have got to receive each day what is appointed for you. You've got to be open uh, together each day what you need for that day. Amen. And I think this, again, applies to you and I. It's critical that we receive from God every day what we need from the Lord through reading His Word. And every day might be a little different because we're going to face different challenges. We're going to walk in different areas. We are maturing in God. And so we understand and know that where I was yesterday, hopefully I'm beyond that today. And I'm going to need more of God today than I ever have. And what I'm going to face, God has in His Word direction for me and help for me and strength for me. That's why coming to church and being faithful to the house of God is so necessary because I need fresh direction. I need a fresh Word from God. I need the Lord to speak something new to me tonight. Amen. What I received Sunday night, that was awesome. That was great. But that is past. And so God is taking me. This is a progressive walk. This is a developing thing. I am maturing. I am growing in Him. And so I need Him to speak to me anew tonight. Amen. What I got from God back then isn't going to sustain me now. So I've got to gather to myself a fresh word from the Lord. Amen. I've got to gather to myself fresh direction. I need a prayer life. Amen. I've got to gather manna every day. I've got to get in the presence of the Lord at every opportunity that I can. The manna would perish in such a short period of time and it would begin to stink. Scripture said here stink. That, that must, uh, Moses must have been a southerner. He said it stink. <laughs> 
and become wormy and actually it would become putrid and it would waste away. Yet the Lord instructed them to place, and this is the irony of this story, and I want you to get this, this same manna that left to its own device, hoarded in a place in somebody's home or left out on the ground, it would waste away. It would uh, melt away. It would begin to rot and it would begin to stink. But that same manna could be taken and placed in a pot and put in the presence of the Lord in the Ark of the Covenant. And it lasted, the Scripture said, for generations, for hundreds of years, the same manna. It is sustained. It is preserved. And it survived all because of where it was. And the key to this sustaining power, and the lesson that I want to bring to you tonight is staying in the right place is the key to sustaining a walk with God. Amen? A saving place, a sustaining place, the right place. The psalmist said in Psalms 1 and verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. If you don't want to perish, don't get around folks that are counseling you in the wrong way. If you want to get messed up in your spirit uh, to, to begin to be messed up, get around folks that are counseling you in the wrong way. Amen. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't want to take counsel from somebody that's not a godly person. Amen. I'm not interested in that. And, uh, you know, with the social networking and all the different things that we have nowadays, everybody's talking. Everybody's talking. A lot of words out there. A lot of advice being given out there. The Bible says that there are many voices. Is that what it says? And we're living in that day when there is many voices being, there's many opinions, there's many voices being spoken, and not all of them are right voices. Not all of them are good for us. Not all of those voices speak proper things into our lives. He said, blessed, if you want to be blessed. How many wants to be blessed tonight? Blessed is the man. When, that, when the Bible says something about blessed is the man or blessed is he, any of those kind of remarks like that, I always pay particular attention and underline that because I know either preceding that or just after that, there's going to be a great principle given and I want to bless life, so I pay particular attention to that in the Word of God because it's fixing to tell me how I can be blessed. And he said, Blessed is the man, first of all, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Amen. Boy, I wouldn't want to be one that stand in the way of sinners or hinder anybody from walking with God or hinder anybody from being able to come to God. Amen. How could I stand in the way of a sinner? How could I be a hindrance? I'll tell you, one of the ways that I can do that is by, is by having uh, something in my heart that is unlike what God wants and what God desires and what would be pleasing to Him and bringing that into the church. Maybe there's uh, sin in my life. I'm not talking about day-to-day failures and mistakes that we make. I'm talking about blatant sin. I'm talking about sins that are not sins of omission but sins of commission that we blatantly choose to do and that is the difference between sins of omission and sins of commission 
when you commit something, you know and you made a choice to do that. Amen? When you may commit a sin of omission and you may not really be aware of it, but then the Lord convicts you of it and you change course and you get that thing right. Amen? And that's why we believe in repentance and we have an advocate, the Scripture says, with the Father. I'm thankful that we can go before Him and we don't have to go sheepishly, the Scripture says, or ashamed or condemned, but we can boldly approach the throne of grace and find help in the time of need. Is that what the Bible says? But there's times when we may make mistakes and we may fail because we are human and none of us have got our glorified bodies yet. Reach back there. Those are not, that's your shoulder blades. That's not those wings that you're going to get. But <laughs> lighten up a little bit here tonight. You're not as angelic as you think you are. One man said his wife was like an angel. He says, always up in the air harping about something. <laughs> You're not angelic just yet. You don't have a glorified body just yet. I'm not talking about those kinds of sins. But when I, when I choose to live in rebellion, when I choose to bring disunity and discord into the church, when I choose to do certain things, that's how I can stand in the way of a sinner. When God cannot move in a church because there's people within that church that are living in disobedience to Him and are not yielded to Him. And so He cannot use them. He cannot use their worship, their prayers, their praise. He cannot use them in the church service to minister to the lost. That's standing in the way of sinners. And we could have blood on our hands for that. I'm glad I don't feel like anybody here tonight would purposely do those things or be that type of individual but we always need to be on guard and saying God help me to always understand and be very sensitive to this because I want to be a help to somebody coming to you I want to be an asset to your kingdom I want folks to be able to come to an altar and feel the freedom of the Holy Ghost and be able to yield to it and experience it and God move in their life as he needs to amen is that your desire I want to be a conduit not a roadblock. I want, I want to be a vessel that God can use, not an instrument that works against the will of God. Can you say praise the Lord? And so how can I, we, we discussed how you can stand in the way of sinners. How can I enhance, how can I help sinners find God? i tell you how you can is when we come in here and we worship God we get ourselves out of the way. We're yielded vessels to the Lord. We begin to praise the Lord. We come to church and we prepare our hearts early through prayer. We stay prayerful. We stay sensitive. When they gather in the altars, we don't just let them sit down here and pray by themselves, but we get around and we encourage them. We speak words of faith to them. We instruct them where they need to be instructed. We help them say, come on, brother. Come on, sister. I believe you can break through tonight. And we pray with that person until they pray through. That's how I can be a help to him. I can be sensitive to God. I can pray for his anointing upon my life. Amen. When we're uh, asked to sing up here, we can be anointed in our singing. 
Praise the Lord. We're not up here performing. We're not entertainers. We're not here as a concert, but we're here to lead people to God. That's why this church is a staff. Everything that we do should be with that in mind. Everything that happens here should be with that, that goal in mind of seeing somebody find God, seeing somebody come to an altar, seeing somebody be obedient to the gospel, seeing somebody's life changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be used of God in that way. Praise the Lord. So Nor, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. Wow. There's one seat that's always filled in a church, and that's the seat of the scornful. Amen. I can't believe some people would feel so brazen as to be scornful of church services and the move of God and the Spirit of God as it flows and as it moves in a congregation. That's a dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing to put yourself in the seat of the scornful when it comes to judging things of the Spirit. Amen? I don't believe that was Holy Ghost. I don't believe that was necessary. Well, that's the seat of the scornful. And you know the Bible says in the book of Proverbs about a scornful person that you cannot, you cannot reprove them, you cannot help them, you just well ignore them. A pastor cannot help a scornful person. Amen? No matter how spiritual you are, you cannot help somebody that's a scornful person. If they want to find something bad and everything, they're going to find it no matter how much you try to help them. So you just, well, not waste your time. Amen. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate. This is what his mind's on, the things of God, that he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, and I want you to look at this, planted. Everybody say planted planted by the rivers of water he was planted in a specific place by the rivers of water and this is a result of him being planted in the right place that bringeth forth his fruit in his season being planted in the right place brought a tremendous result there was fruit that came forth how many wants again to be blessed how many knows that means also being fruitful? Right here, we got a we got a pattern to follow. Right here, we right here in the very first chapter of the book of Psalms, or the very first Psalm, we have a pattern that we can follow. You can bring forth fruit in your season by being planted. It's so important that you be planted. It's so important there be stability in your life. It's so important that you put roots down. It's so important that you dig in. Praise the Lord. Amen. It seems to suggest that his blessing, his prosperity, this blessed man, his fruitfulness was contingent on being in the right place, the right position. Where he was planted lent to his success. And so David, he understands the importance of, of being in the right place. He often writes about it. And I want to go through some of these in Psalms 91 and 1. He says that uh, he, he talks about or he writes about the secret place. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then in Psalms 18 and 19, he wrote about a large place. He's talking about the significance of place. Uh, Psalms 24 and 3, a holy place. Psalms 26 and 12, an even place. 
66 and 12, a wealthy place. Somebody say amen. 74 and 7, a dwelling place. So we know that there is a place, according to the Word of God, of protection and provision and where the power of God is. Can you say praise the Lord? When God got ready to judge the world during that Andalusian age and Noah's day is compared to our day. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And then he describes there should be marrying, given in marriage. People eating, drinking. There's going to be wealth flowing. There's going to be all these kind of things that are taking place. And it basically describes the day and the hour that we're living in currently as it was in the days of Noah. And God judged that hour and he judged that day I'm telling you, the judgments of God is coming to this world very quickly. And he looked down and he saw a righteous man when he got ready to judge this people. And he repented that he even created them or even made them. And he got ready to judge them, but he noticed something. He noticed that there was a righteous man by the name of Noah. That in spite of all the perversion, the debauchery, the godlessness, the sin that plagued that world at that time, Noah was one that endeavored or sought to do right before God and live righteously before the Lord. Now we know that this is before the time of the Holy Ghost. This is before the time of, of the gospel that you and I possess and that we have. But this man endeavored to live righteously before God and sinless before God, even without the power of the Holy Ghost in a very decadent world, in a society that was filled with sin, can you imagine trying to exist in this world without the power of the Holy Ghost? Trying to live righteously in this world without the power of the Holy Ghost? Noah lived righteously before God. And the Bible says that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so God said, I'm going to prepare a place for this man. A place of safety. This is a righteous man. And he instructed Noah. He said, I want you uh, to build an ark. And he gave him the specific uh, dimensions of it. He said it's to be 300 cubits long, 100 cubit in, in its uh, width and he said I want you to pitch it in and without with gopher wood. He gave him all the details, where the door was to be where the window was to be, how many levels was to be in it and he said I'm going to spare you and your family and the Bible says that Noah was moved by fear and he built an ark for the saving of his house and uh, he goes on uh, to establish a covenant with him. He said, everybody that's on that ark Noah, is going to be saved. They're going to be spared. No matter what's going on on the outside, no matter how chaotic, how stormy, how windy, how many waves crash against it, <coughs> doesn't matter how detrimental everything is out there, how, how wild it gets, how much lightning, how much powerful wind, doesn't matter how big and steep the waves get no matter what's going on on the outside as long as you're on the inside of that ark you're going to be saved I've made a place for you oh I want to talk to you here tonight amen it doesn't matter what's going on out there in this world as long as you stay in the church it doesn't matter how windy it gets how chaotic it gets, how confusing it gets. It doesn't matter what the current is doing on the outside. God's going to take us right where we need to be if we stay in the church. Amen. 
I don't believe in predestination of individuals, but I do believe in the predestination of the church. God has predestined this church to be victorious. God has predestined this church to to overcome. God's predestined this church to be saved. And this is what He's coming back for. And as long as we stay in the church, the Bible instructs me that I can be saved by staying in the place that God has made a covenant with. And how many knows He's made a covenant with His church? just like he did in the days of Noah. He said, if you want to be saved, stay on the ark. Amen. Now, there was a lot of people that didn't heed that warning. They mocked. They made fun. They didn't understand, just like they do today. I'm telling you, there's so many comparisons to Noah's day. But that did not, that did not in any way influence or persuade Noah from doing what was right. He stayed steady. He stayed building. You know what we need to do? We need to keep our nose to the grindstone and keep building the church. Don't let anything keep you from building the church. Amen. If you're going to put your efforts in anything, you need to put your, your, a good portion of your efforts. I, I realize we all got to live. We all got to survive. We all got to work jobs. And we all got to do that. But I'm going to tell you, when, that, when building for this world takes precedence over building the house of God and the things of God, you've got your, you've got your focus out of whack. You've got your priorities out of whack. Because this is the only thing that's going to survive the storm. The Bible tells me there is a storm that is coming to this world. It tells me that this old earth is going to melt with a fervent heat. Is that what the Scripture says? Heaven and earth shall pass away. There's going to be a few things that are going to stand the test of time. This old world is going to, is going to, is going to one day be dissolved as it is right now. It's not going to be like this forever. talking about eternal things it's hard for us to get our mind wrapped around that because we live so earthy we're so involved in the carnal we're so concerned about our everyday uh, affairs and our everyday happiness and our everyday fulfillment you mean uh, you know I'd have to sacrifice some of my time for the kingdom of God the work of God yeah that's exactly what I'm saying because this is what's eternal this is what is going to last amen that may go against your grain but it'll just have to be because that's the word of God that's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is the only thing that is eternal. Praise God. And so I want to, I want to put a good portion or the proper amount of time and involvement in building up what is going to save me. It's funny to me sometimes how little effort people put into the things of God and the church and then they wonder why their children are not going to be saved. Or why they... Don't have any interest in living for God, and I know that's not the case in every situation, in every scenario, and I, and I definitely uh, understand that. That there's been very godly parents and very godly influences over children, and the children, you know, they come of age, they do their own thing, they have their own choice to make. But I'm saying, in some situations, I have seen folks that could not understand when they weren't willing to invest anything in the church. They couldn't understand why their children weren't willing to invest anything in it. Amen. So if we put our time in this and we put our effort in this and we're faithful to this, they'll know and they'll understand that this is important to us. Hallelujah. This is the house of God. This is where I'm going to be saved. Praise the Lord. And we know it's not this brick and mortar. We know it's not this. uh, This is haywood and stubble really right here. But it's the church, the spiritual thing that I'm talking about here tonight. Can you say praise the Lord? So no matter what's going on on the outside, 
if I'm in the house of God, in the church, praise the Lord. And the church we know is something you've got to be born into. You can't inherit a place in the church. You can't, you can't uh, you know, have it passed on to you. Nobody can give you a certificate of ownership. Nobody can pass it down to you and say, you know, we're just going to transfer uh, this, this ownership to you. That's not how it happens. You've got to be born in the church. Just because your grandfather was in the church or your mom and dad was in the church doesn't mean you're in the church. You've got to be born in the church. God doesn't have any grandchildren. All he has is first generation. All he has is, is kids that are born into the... Come on, everybody has to come the same way. We all have to repent. We all have to be baptized in Jesus' name. We all have to be filled with the Holy Ghost, born again. Hallelujah. That's how we get in the church. God has always had a sustaining place for his people. During a time of extreme famine when dew had not even been found on the ground for the space of three years. God spoke to Elijah and he said, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith. And he drank from that brook and God fed him, the Bible says, with ravens. And I think that's an interesting thing in and of itself. You know what? God brings things to us through avenues that we didn't even think possible sometimes. Who would have thought a raven would feed a prophet? Raven is the most filthy, unwanted, it's kind of the uh, sanitation bird of the earth. It's not something you want to bring in your food. But sometimes God chooses things that we don't understand. We don't know why to better our lives. He brings things to our lives that we don't understand, that we're confused about, and we didn't think that's the way it ought to happen. But in the end, we see and we look back and we say, you know what? God had his hand in all of that. We were fed by ravens. God took care of us. God was there for us. I didn't understand why I had to go through that. That was a raven that I did not understand in my life, but God sustained me through that, and God helped me through that, and it, I'm better for it. Was it Joseph that said to his brethren, he said, it wasn't you that sent me forth into slavery, but God, so that I could, I could preserve you at posterity in the earth. God was looking down the line, and he said, you know what? I would rather you go through a little bit of persecution so that Israel, the nation of Israel, amen. How many knows that Jacob and his children represented a nation that was in its beginning stages? He said, the only way this thing can make it is that I put a, a, a person in a specific place so that they can be used to, to put up during a time of famine. I've got I've to have some storehouses put up. And I'm going to put Joseph in the right place and he's going to have to go through some years in a dungeon. He's going to have to be betrayed by some people and there's going to be some ravens that he don't understand in his life. But when it's all said and done, I'm going to elevate him. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bring him out. And with bringing him out, I'm going to bring an entire nation out. Amen. That's wonderful, isn't it? We don't always understand what God's up to and what God's doing. Some of you look at situations in your life and you identify them as ravens. I don't know why. I don't know why that ugly thing is in my life as it is right now. But can I tell you that God is going to sustain you. God's going to take care of you. God's going to watch out for you. And you'll understand it better by and by. Preserved him, and the rest of the land was languishing in a famine. But Elijah was in a sustaining place. Amen. Shimei had sinned against 
King David. When David was leaving the city of Jerusalem, he hurled stones at him and accusations at him and cursed him. And there was certain mighty men that said to David, they said, if you'll let us, we'll go over there and we'll take his head off. It says it there. We'll cut his head off, it says. David said, no, let him curse. That's what he said, let him curse. You know all of you that want to get revenge all the time? You need to read that scripture. <laughs> oh, you want to draw a sword all the time? Boy, I'm going to get even. You need to read that scripture. Did not the Bible say, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay? Amen. You know what? You don't have to do nothing. If you're on the Lord's side, if you're wanting with God, you got the favor of God, it doesn't matter how much they pitch and buck and cast stones and curse and cuss and spit and amen I've watched it for years and I've seen some of them people that kept their mouth shut win while the others lose and the more they pitch and they buck and they scream and they holler and they curse the more they lose and the more the other one wins why because the other's blessed and he knows he's blessed and so he don't have to defend his blessing if you're called to God, you don't have to defend your calling. You don't have to defend your anointing. You don't have to defend who you are. Let God do that. He said, vengeance is mine. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get my... You, you skin skunks, you're going to smell like one. Amen. You get involved in all of that, and you start trying to... Well, blah, 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 blah. Zip your lip. And just let God handle it. Amen. You don't have to get back at nobody. You don't have to run off at the mouth. Come on, that's not an adult. That's not maturity. Just let it go. Amen. Let him curse, he said. If I'm God's, God's going to bring me back. It doesn't matter what Shimei says. God, I'm, you know, if I'm really anointed, God will bring me back here. And he did. And old Shimei, he come back. David, you going to let me live? And he said, Sure. Solomon came to power and he was still a little aggravated about it. He was talking about my daddy like that. He said, he said I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you live, but there's going to be some restrictions. He said, the only way I'm going to let you live is that you stay within the borders of the city of Jerusalem. You don't go beyond the brook Kidron. He said, you stay right here in this city, within the city limits, and you can live, but the day you leave it, the day you're going to die. He said, God is going to give you a place here. I'm going to give you a place here. And I'm going to let you survive. I'm going to let you make it. And Jerusalem is a type of the church. Amen? We can make it. We can survive. We'll be blessed as long as we stay in the church. But we start slipping out, amen, beyond the city limits. We start slipping outside the, the, the area that God has provided. Then we're open to all kinds of things. Praise the Lord. Shimei, I, I, the key to your survival is going to be staying in the place of safety. And I realize the landscape of our world has never looked bleaker than it looks right now. The economy is fledgling. Moral fiber of our nation is deteriorating. Wickedness waxes worse and worse. It's worse than it's ever been. But let me remind you in all of that that God has a place for his people. And the times we're living in may shock us, but they're no surprise to God. 
Nothing catches God off guard. And when times are challenging and confusing and overwhelming to us, we need to do like the writer of old. When my heart was overwhelmed, he said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me. Whew. Man, that's a powerful thing, isn't it? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for it'll be a shelter for me. God's provided me a place. God has given me a place. Praise the Lord. That manna was vulnerable. It was delicate. It was fleeting. It was something that could perish so easily and quickly outside that ark. It doesn't matter how self-sufficient I think I am, how capable, how self-reliant. This world will literally and quickly ravage us, every one of us, and destroy us if we don't stay in the right place. We can't handle it. We can't make it on our own. Amen. God has a, has a plan here, and the only way that I can stay alive, the only way spiritually, the only way I can survive spiritually, the only way I can make it is to stay in the place that he has afforded for me. Can you say amen? Would you stand to your feet right now? Let's lift up our hands to the Lord and thank God for his church. Thank God. Thank God for the body of Christ. Thank God that we're a part of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He said, you take that manna. You place it in that ark. He said, within a 24-hour period, it would perish out there by itself. He said, you place it in that ark. Generations down the road, it's going to be just like it was when you put it in there. I'm going to preserve it. And I got to thinking about that. What was in that ark? We know that the presence of the Lord dwelt between the cherubs that were on top of it. But the Bible says along with that pot of manna, which represented provision of God, there was also Aaron's rod that budded, which is representative of miracles. I'm going to tell you, in the church, in the presence of God, there's still miracles available to us. Can you say amen? This, this rod signified supernatural power and the performing of, of miracles, and that's still a part of the church today. Healing is still a part of the church today. Prayers being answered is still a part of the church today. Deliverance still takes place. Changes can still happen. The power of God is, is still available as it ever has been. The Scripture tells us in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm thankful that this is not a dead place. Amen. But this is a place where miracles still transpire, and they still happen even in the 21st century. You can't find that everywhere, but you can find that in the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then I, I read on and I find that there was the, the, the commandments, the Ten Commandments, the law of God that was in that ark also. He said, I want you to place that manna right there by, by the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, if you want to stay 
alive and you want to thrive and you want to be blessed, you need the Word of God. You need the preaching of the Word of God. And the church is still a place where the Word of God is preached. And I'm thankful for the, the pure Word of God being preached. Can you say amen to that? And uh, I know that there's different techniques and there's different methods or whatever, but I'm going to tell you, we need to never question the anointing and the preaching of the Word of God. If it lines up to this book, that's what's going to keep us alive. That's what's going to sustain us. That's what's going to help us. That's what's going to give us strength. How many times have we walked into the house of God and we were weak and we were frail and, and because of the, the world and the life that we have to live and things that were going on and circumstances. I'm going to tell you, just like I said at the beginning of the service, not every day is a mountaintop. Not every day is a shouting day. Sometimes there's, there's life to contend with. There's sickness. There's, there's financial woes. There's, there's uh, pressures. There's stresses. Amen. And all of us have faced them at one time or another, and we have to deal with it at one, one point or another in our lives, maybe many times throughout the course of our lives. But I'm thankful that I can come to church and I get a fresh word from God, and I get direction, and God helps me, and I understand, hey, I can make it. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody walks out of this place tonight, and you feel like, hey, I can live for God. I can make it. The only thing I've got to do, the only requirement that I have is I've got to stay in the church. I've got to stay close to God. I've got to keep a prayer line. I've got to have an ear to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And if I'll do that, I can survive. I can make it no matter what the world does because God placed me here in this place so that I could be sustained. One more time, would you thank God for His church? Would you thank God for where He placed you? what He's done for you, how He's helped you. Hallelujah. Praise God. We ought to just take a moment of praise and worship to the Lord for the church. Hallelujah. To be a child of God is a wonderful thing. To be a part of the body of Christ is beautiful. Serving God is beautiful. We ought to, we ought to, we ought to go and get us a Exclamation mark for that. Because that's the way I feel about it. It's not just serving God is beautiful, blah. It's serving God is beautiful. Hallelujah. I love living for Jesus. I love living for Jesus. This is the best life. God bless you in Jesus' name is our prayer. Let's remember. Let's be inviting folks. Let's keep in mind Easter. We have several things that are going to be consecutively coming up one week after another. That's the biggest challenge we have is to keep that before you and keep you reminded of that because when these Sundays begin to start with Easter, from Easter to Pentecost, it's going to be bang, 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 bang. And, uh, and a lot of it's requiring involvement on your part. We have the Easter thing coming along, and this is a great time. But in that, we're going to be advertising this. this uh, the next weekend is uh, uh, Experience Your Miracle kind of like Miracle Sunday, and we'll be preparing for that the Wednesday night before. A.D. Spears will be here preaching on Sunday morning and Sunday night of that week, and I'm expecting God to give us some great miracles in this house on that weekend. And then also uh, the next week, I believe that is, uh, is that Mother's Day? Mother's Day is the next week after that, so it's a family uh, thing, and we want everybody to bring the family. We've got some special things we're going to be talking about uh, concerning Mother's Day. And then uh, on and on we have uh, missions conference, and then we have also uh, 
talking about the youth and the children. We're focusing on that. And youth is going to be singing, and uh, children's choir is going to be singing during that time on that Sunday. And then we've got uh, uh, also this homecoming uh, type thing. And I want you to be talking that up because you know the folks. I don't know everybody. So you know them, and you be talking that up. And some of them may have to come from a ways off, so we need to get them prepared. And what we're going to ask you to do, and we'll be providing you with an opportunity to do this, is we're going to give you a way to, to give us those addresses and numbers that you do have. And, and uh, matter of fact, we're going to be talking to you more about that. But we're going to have to get that in the minds of those people that they're going to be able to prepare to come. And there's many of them right here in this town that are maybe uh, no longer attend this church or backsliders, what have you. Uh, this would be a good opportunity to bring them to the house of God. And so we're, we're asking you to get get excited about this and invite folks and we're going to be reminiscing some of the things of, of the past and what God has done and a slide presentation or a, a media presentation type thing and uh, we're going to have a great great time on that day and then it's leading up of course to Pentecost Sunday and I'm just expecting God to do some wonderful things fill some folks with the Holy Ghost we'll have a morning service and then in lieu of our Memorial Day picnic we'll have just like we did last year a picnic out here and uh, and the celebration and what greater time to celebrate than the birth of the church can you say praise the Lord so God bless you in Jesus name keep these things in, in your mind and heart and be praying about it God bless you we'll see you this Sunday let's come back and be faithful to the house of God believe in God for great things <laughs>